Welcome back to Passion Personified, a podcast series where we showcase student entrepreneurs and the life lessons they learn from it. On our third episode, we talk about the power of stories in mental health, life, and business. We have a third year student from SP, Marissa Tan. Yes, I got it right. <laughs> good job. How are you feeling? Ready to start? This yes, podcast? feeling good, feeling excited for today. Okay. I, I'm very excited as well. This is the third episode we're doing. If you have captured the capture, if you have caught the first two episodes, you liked it, I think this will be your info treat today as well. Yeah. Um okay, so we're gonna talk about your journey, you know. Mm-hmm. I think right now you run a platform showcasing people's stories, specifically with regards to their mental health journeys, you know. Um, the tribute, their trials, how they overcome it, and it's, it's just amazing. Like mm. you, you of course invited me one time yes. to share during your platform, and I really enjoyed it. And you have a vision potentially to make it into a platform where people can go to for support yes. in future. Definitely. Yeah, but you didn't start mm. that way, right? You started in better commerce, an accidental yep. entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. So it's very interesting. I think today we were Dylan when he was the previous one. I mean, of course, you know Dylan. He, the moment he was. Came out Very of his best move. He's like, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Yes. But yeah, you know, it comes in different forms, like what Raphael said in the first episode. So I'm looking forward to discussing your story. So yeah, just a brief outline for you. We are going to talk about Marissa's origin story, why mental health is important to her, and then her unexpected jump into entrepreneurship, how she got started, and eventually the power of storytelling. How you can use storytelling in, in business if you're running a business, or in your life, or in your career. You know, storytelling is a huge part of life and uh, central uh, to a lot of our passions and whatever we want to do in the future. Okay, so that's the outline for today. So let's begin with uh, your origin, origin yes. story. Uh, share with us, how did this, how do you come to recognize mm. a need? So I guess I've always been pretty passionate about mental health, even when I was, you know, just a student. I think... I mean, even though maybe at the time I didn't know that I was passionate about mental health, but I think what really hit me was watching my fellow classmates and my good friends really struggle with themselves, especially when it came to academics. You know, as we all know, Singapore is all about the grades and everything, but I think it was so sad and it was so hard for me to watch them destroy themselves over mm. their grades. Like, I've seen countless of times just my friends breaking down in the bathrooms and everything just crying over a number on a piece of paper. Mm. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous and they would just destroy themselves, you know. They would start self-harming. Like, there were some extreme cases where they started self-harming and everything. Mm. And then, you know, the whole, like, oh, I'm depressed and, and all that. Like, not going to lie, at the time, I think it became a bit of a trend Fair. to be oh, it, it depressed. Is still, yeah. It is still a trend. Sorry to cut you over. I think it's important yeah. to talk about. Like, this, especially with TikTok or some mediums now. Definitely. Um, there is... Uh, an attention deficit, la, right? And when you, I can't remember the term off, off the top of my head, but it's research that when you put your struggles online, you're more likely to get validated. Yeah. And that validation, sometimes people crave it. Yeah. So we're not sure whether we're romanticizing it or whether we're actually depressed and it's hard to find that balance sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I think it, it, it's a big issue, not going to lie, because then it kind of blurs the line between who really needs help and who... Mm. I guess needs more short term help. You know, mm. I'm not gonna say that. Oh, they need help for sure. Let's not judge them. Yeah, right? yeah, for yeah. Them, for them to definitely, do that. it's yeah. like they. I'm sure they're going through something that yeah. where they feel the need to have some kind of attention because things like this usually is kind of a cry for help. Mm. 
and a lot of people label it as attention seeking although you know it is true they are seeking attention but sometimes there is a good reason behind why they're seeking attention mm. and you know don't want to judge anyone you know everybody is probably going through some hardships of their own but mm. yeah seeing a lot of people in my school do that i think was pretty eye opening and it made me realize how much you know mental health is a big problem mm. everywhere no matter how old you are no matter what you're doing it's always a big problem mm. i think i really became passionate for it pretty recently honestly after you know dealing with some hard stuff on my own and you know dealing with some things a lot of my friends had to go through it was really hard for me to see them put themselves mm. in harm's way just for things that Personally I find a bit superficial but of course to them it probably holds a lot of meaning. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was it was just really really hard and I've always thought to myself like I wish I could do more to help them. Mm. And I guess I did it through supporting my friends but then I would see you know people obviously online like you mentioned I would mm. see them struggling with whatever they're going through and then sometimes I wish like you know if I was there I'd probably give this person a hug mm. and then that kind of spark Uh, yeah, like that desire to want to try to help people through their struggles. Um, I think, of course, um, rebound resilience. Also, I mean, this. Um, okay, I cannot be be biased or favoritism yeah. <laughs> here. I'm posting everybody, but you know, this is about mental health and something that I probably resonate with most yes. of the other episodes because my company is built around that. Right, I host a podcast dedicated to that. Personally, I suffer from depression and mania before, and I understand fully right, how much. Grits, or some arbitrary number or measure can affect your worth to the degree that it impacts your mental health. It's crazy. And you see, and because our worth is designed and conditioned to believe that our worth is tied to a variable, any time your worth is tied to a variable, right, it's dangerous because yeah. those variables can vary any time. Exactly. And in our national narrative, right, certain traits like ambition, good results, um, you know. What intelligence? It's seen perhaps as more valuable in modern commerce. So when you don't measure up to that, right, you feel a sense sense of inferiority. Yeah, you feel like a failure, honestly. Yeah. How did that feel when you saw your friends go through that? Was there any emotions that, like, I know it's difficult to watch people go through struggles. If there's any vocabulary you could put to it, how could you describe it? Oh, it was honestly heart wrenching. I think seeing some of my friends go through what they go through. Like I have some friends who are super like perfectionists, mm. and it's to the point where they skip meals, they skip sleep, mm. and I've seen my friends like fall asleep with laptops in their hands and wake up with laptops in their hands, and that was terrifying. I think that was the like mm. honestly the scariest thing I've seen. Cause once my friend like stayed over at my house, and I think it was kind of like our. It wasn't exactly submission period, so mm. personally, I was a bit chill. But mm. she is so obsessed with work that the whole day that we were spending time with each other, she couldn't get her hands off her laptop. And yeah. then when she woke up the next morning, the first thing, her first instinct was to reach for Sorry, her laptop yeah. and open up her documents to do her work. Why do you think Crazy. it's the case? Why do you think it's the case, though? Okay, I guess I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, but it's the whole, I guess, parents and their expectations, and yeah. obviously, one thing to achieve success and i think there's this generalized view of success which is oh get good grades yep. do well go to uni after you go uni then you work you make a lot of money so there's this like predetermined path that they create in their head mm. and then there's 
all these small steps that they plan for themselves. So, mm-hmm. for example, now like they are focused on getting a four yeah. point GPA, mm-hmm. and then so they destroy themselves getting this four point GPA. Yeah. And when they don't get it, they destroy themselves even more. Then they mm-hmm. think that they're gonna fail at life. They just think that you know that this path that they built for themselves is ruined, and they think that they just basically have failed at life. For some reason, they cannot think of any other possible route that exists. Sure. And I think there are a lot of these paths that exist that isn't just, you know, getting a good GPA and going to uni and then mm. doing all these things that maybe you see successful people do. Yeah, it starts with how you define success. Right? Exactly. If you define in a way that's uh, um, very strict and very narrow, very tunnel vision, naturally when you fall away from the ideal, the ideal becomes a judge. Every ideal is a judge. And if you cannot manage that properly, you cannot see a different route. It really cripples you. Because in your mind, you personalize it and you think it's pervasive. Yeah. You think that catastrophize, right? You think that no matter what, exactly. your life can't be good. I did not plan this, but I want to pull out my phone. <laughs> yeah, because okay. I have a quote that I want to read. I hopefully can encourage people to relate to this, right? Um, Let's go. It's actually a quote by Conor Bryan. It's not very mainstream, but he's one of my favorite comedians because he's just a goofy dude. And sometimes I'm I think I like saw that. this on your story. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Correct. Uh, so <laughs> let me pull this out. Um... So yeah, I think I think some context, right? Conor O'Brien, he was a late night talk show. He was promised a certain role in television and he wasn't given it. So basically he was betrayed and whatever he wanted, he built his entire life for that particular moment. Okay? And because he didn't got that, he got into a state of wallowing where he grew a beard and he just wallowed for a period of time. Right? That loss, or that sense of control is lost. So he, he ultimately, when he overcome, he gave a speech and this is what he said. Um... It is our failure to become our perceived ideal that ultimately defines us and makes us unique. It is not easy, but if you accept your misfortune and handle it right, your perceived failure can become a catalyst for profound reinvention. And, and this is one message. I, I know you, you want to put out as well. Mm. So I'll share it also on your behalf is that students, they need to know that one event will never ever define your entire life. Exactly. <laughs> Right? If it is, then there's no point really because everything happens in the past doesn't make a yeah, difference. Exactly. But honestly, if you look back two years down before, just two years, not very long, right? Will you be thinking you're doing exactly the same thing you're doing now? Mm. Probably not. There's some variation, right? The form is a little bit different. Maybe the course is similar, but the form is very different. Same thing for you as well. Huh. And same thing for two years down the road. And I think that is why stories are powerful because you get to write your story. You get to rewrite it. You're not necessarily fixed on one narrative. Sorry I took up so much of your time every time. <laughs> Henny, I'm going to turn it back to you, but I hope that, that related to you all. If you want to listen to the commencement speech, I will also link it into the YouTube description. You'll check it out. I think it's very powerful. Um, but coming back to the podcast, um, yes. so what about your own journey then? You talk a lot about others, right? What about your own journey with mental health? <laughs> okay. Uh, I do share a bit of it on uh, Share Your Story as well, but... Okay, just want to put it out there. I'm not like officially diagnosed. I've never seen anyone for this. I've attempted to see people for this, but it's never just it's just never really worked out. Mm. So, uh, I like to say I have some form of anxiety. Okay, I'm just gonna call it social anxiety because a lot of the things, mm. a lot of the anxiety I feel is normally relating to social situations. Sure. So. Uh, I do experience a lot of nausea and uh, oftentimes vomiting. Um, so I guess a big part of my like mental health journey was like shrouded in a lot of shame because, you know, vomiting, no one likes that. It's kind of gross, kind of like 
but it, it's what I experienced. So every time I would have this like anxiety within me, I just felt so disgusted with myself. Mm. I felt a lot of shame, and even just trying to talk to someone about it like brought me a lot of shame. So I always try not to talk about it. Which is why actually putting out that first episode with me talking about my social anxiety was really, really hard. I put, I put it off for like one or two months, even though I was supposed to do it earlier. But it was just really hard for me to talk about it. And actually when I went out there and I started talking about it, it did kind of help me to heal within mm-hmm. myself. It kind of helped me to process all the struggles that I've gone through within my life and things that I realized affected me more than I thought it did. Mm. And... Just speaking about it in front of some strangers actually was quite relieving. Like sure. I realized that actually, you know what? It's not really that big of a deal. It's liberating as yeah, well. Yeah, it's very liberating. You you realize that no one really judges you as much as you think. Mm. Although I mean they probably do, but ignorance is bliss, you know. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Like, a lot of times the emotions reflected, right? Yeah. You feel people are you act in a certain way and you also attract that as well because yeah. they're wondering hey, how come this person is acting exactly. is like like giving off the impression that we are judging them. Yeah. <laughs> or giving off the impression that she's fearful of judgment. Exactly. Yeah, so, um, sure, yeah, thanks for being authentic, sharing with me. Uh, I, I love the platform. You know, <laughs> I, I will, you. I will I'll, I'll talk about it in a bit. Yeah. Um, but I want to go back a bit about, you did share with me off camera about the time where your friend actually attempted suicide and it woke you up. Yeah. You, you, you just felt that sense of helplessness. Could you share about that? Yeah, so, okay. Uh, so... Uh, this friend she attempted suicide and not gonna lie um, it wasn't very shocking to me mm-hmm. because I did know about her suicidality I did know she was having suicidal thoughts so yeah I knew about her suicidality but I didn't really know that she, I didn't really expect that she was gonna go through it so when she did and I saw that she was in hospital I PM'd her directly and I asked her what was going on uh, she was a bit hesitant to tell me what was going on, but mm. then I kind of knew in the back of my mind that she probably att- attempted suicide. So, not gonna lie, I felt numb. Okay, I don't know if you can call it numb or just didn't feel anything, but yeah, I, I didn't really feel much. Honestly, I was just a bit angry at her as well, I think, because I was just thinking like, oh, why, why, like, why, why would you do this, you know, after everything that we've been through and me trying to show you how much I care for you, like, why, why do you still go through this? Mm. But then I think after I went for some counselling at school, and then I actually started talking about it. Instead of just thinking about it in my mind, I actually put it into Overlaced words. It, yeah. yeah, I put it into words, and that's when I started crying. Mm. And that's when I realised that actually this traumatic event was affecting me more than I thought it did. And that's when I really woke up, I think, and realised that you know, this is a problem that needs to be solved. This isn't just, you know, everyone's like, oh, mental health is an issue, mental health is an yeah, issue. Yeah, it's it's an issue and it takes people's lives, you know. Yeah. Like, this is something that needs to be stopped mm. as soon as possible, I feel. And, okay, but at the same time, it also allowed me to learn that what she does with her life is out of my control. Yeah, and it helped to, everything. yeah, it helped to teach me that I also need to let go and that, me constantly, I guess, mothering her in a sense wasn't really helping her either. Okay. And that I needed to step back and also take care of myself sure. and my own mental health because otherwise I would just be destroying myself and her as well. 
Okay, let's transition into uh, solving a need. Um, yes, I think at one you definitely need to know when to let go, but I do believe that you mentioned when the time is right to do something right. I think we should do it. Yeah. They extend that support, that love to people, and you did that eventually in, by jumping into entrepreneurship. Yes. Uh, talk to us about how that happened. Okay, so uh, Kevin called it an accidental entrepreneurship. Yeah. I want to call it a reluctant entrepreneur, sure. a reluctant accident into entrepreneurship. Sure. I really tripped and fell into it. Yeah. So, uh, okay, it all started with this uh, kind of like in school competition called Betty Challenge. Mm. So what we do is that it's basically a three day hackathon where. Yeah. We, you know, they give us a few categories and then within these categories, we choose what we want to work on, I guess, as an entrepreneurial project. And then we have to pitch our ideas at the end of the three days. And then, you know, if we win first place, we get money, second place, get sure. money. Then there's like runner yeah. up and everything. So me and my friends, we entered into this competition based on a recommendation of my lecturer. So he kind of pushed me. Actually, he asked me twice. I rejected him the first time because I, okay. I was like, nah, I don't want to do this. Then the second time he asked me, I was like, ah, oh God, he's pressuring me, but okay, you know what? I'm I just going to do it. You know what? What, okay. what could I lose? So I brought myself and my team and then we went to do it. And then, so there was this topic. Okay, there were multiple topics. And then one of them was about I think being inclusive mm. when it comes to mental health, okay. something like that. So we we decided like, you know what, since we like myself and my other teammates have experience mm. in struggles with mental health, you know, why not we just try this? Yep. But we didn't do it thinking that, you know, let's go and make this a business. We're just like, <laughs> let's go and win some money, you know, mm. two thousand dollars, let's go. <laughs> so then we did it. And then at the end of it, we lost. <laughs> so okay. I'm only Mama, got I expected <laughs> you to have a grand finale. No, okay, we you got said we lost with such purpose. Three hundred dollars. Okay, I think it was three hundred dollars. That's still fine. That's still fine. Uh, it was somewhere around there. It was enough to pay off for our hot pot meal that day. Yeah. I see. So you spend it immediately on a yeah, hot yeah, pot yeah. meal. Yeah, yeah, Fantastic was, use of money there. If it was two thousand dollars, we would have saved it. You know, built build an sure empire. Yeah, we could have built an empire. <laughs> You see, this is all because we, we lost. We just stayed over at MBS. <laughs> over, spend the 2K. You okay, know, priorities, right? Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so I mean, that was the first foray in entrepreneurship. Yeah. But how did that evolve to become a prototype? So, okay, basically after we lost, we met up with the... Okay, so I don't know his title. I don't know if he's the manager. He's definitely not the director, but his name's Raphael. So uh, oh. at the end of the... <laughs> oh, wow, I was wondering who you're talking about. <laughs> Then suddenly become Raphael. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we all okay, know him so because he's in yeah, episode you know, one. Episode one, that yeah. guy, the man with the bald head. Yeah, that that man. So <laughs> at the end of the at the end of the competition, one of the lecturers who facilitated the whole thing was like, "Oh, if any of y'all are interested in making this a real thing, then you guys can go and talk to Raphael. You know, mm. he'll get he tell you guys what you need to do." Sure. So us with our newfound, you know, anger and everything, <laughs> we're like. I hate these people here. I hate the judges. Hate everybody. We're gonna go. We're gonna prove to everyone that we can do this by making it into a real thing. Nice. So then we went. We marched up to Raphael. And we're like, "Hey, you know, we want to make this into a real thing. How do we yeah. do it?" So he basically brought us to this uh, room where we're at right now, and 
It was pretty shady because it was pretty dark at the time. So he brought. Uh, that's good storytelling, by the way. <laughs> Thank He's you. He's in perfectly in line exactly. over here. Exactly. Share your story. So he brought us to this shady, like the back of the room. He sat us down, and he started asking us to all of a sudden just pitch again. So okay, okay. we pitched again, told him our idea, and then he just pointed out everything that was wrong with it. So <laughs> yeah, you know, it really gave us a boost of confidence we needed. <laughs> but yeah, but at the end of it, he just told us that you know, if you guys are serious about this, then think about it and then contact us again. Then you guys will be able to pitch for this thing called the Small Project Fund, where mm. you guys can earn some funding and then you guys can really try to make your business idea a real thing. Okay. So I we walked out of that room. I said, "No way, Jose! Are we doing this? I ain't got the time. I ain't got the effort." <laughs> like, I don't think I want to do business, guys. This is such a contrast to Dylan's episode. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we got it's just very variety here, you know. It's some yeah, relatability. Yeah, entrepreneurship has lots of variety. <laughs> so yeah, I I personally didn't want to do it at all because I knew it would take a lot of effort. I didn't underestimate entrepreneurship mm-hmm. at all. But my friends and my teammates were like, you know what? We got this. Let's do it. We I'm sure we can make something out of this. You mm. know, be our own bosses, whatever. You know, that's what attracts everyone about entrepreneurship to be your own boss. You mm. know, make all those, you know, all that money. But there's a lot of hard work that goes behind it. So on behalf of my team, I went to Raphael and then uh, pitched for the small project fund and thankfully we got it, $4,000, baby. But <laughs> yeah, so that's how I actually started mm. doing my internship under entrepreneurship, Same under spin off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, so Marissa, you were a reluctant entrepreneur. <laughs> But you still, you still got started. Yeah. Right? I want to know about mm. your journey still. Like, what are some challenges in the growth process? Uh, what are some lessons you learned? Mm, okay, so uh, I think for me, the hardest thing about doing entrepreneurship was because I was always so reluctant to mm. associate myself with anything business. So I really had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know where to start, mm. where to end, or what the hell happens in between. But mm. I decided to you know, just go in with some blind faith and just try things out. So, yeah, it, it was really very hard to change my mindset. Because mm-hmm. uh, when I was pitching Share Your Story... Fun, <coughs> yeah. Just, uh, like, when I was yeah, like... Nothing wrong with that, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> when I was pitching Share Your Story, I pitched it as a mobile app mm. that we would develop. So, in my mind, going to my entrepreneurship was that I have to get this app out. My main focus is going to be the app. So, but obviously, I can't be, like, doing my app for six months, right? I have mm. to be doing other things at the same time. So, like, that, that was a very hard mindset of mine to okay. change. Because I was so determined, like, you know, by the end of six months, going to have an app out, going to have everything. But after I talked to Raphael and after I did some mentorship of my own, yeah. I realized that that was a bit of an impossible dream. Because, yeah. yeah, it's going to be very hard with the budget Incredibly. that I had. Yeah, yeah, especially with the budget that I had. There was no way I was going to get it out in six mm. months. So, I settled for MVP. And even at the time, my... <coughs> My liaison officer, who's actually my lecturer, who's kind of like supervising me during my internship, he told me that I had to be more flexible with my thinking. Mm. I had to set small goals for myself, yeah. which I was very, very bad at because yeah. I'm kind of the person who like, I just set one big goal and I work towards it. Sure. Whatever happens, happens. <clears throat> so setting those small goals were really hard for me. And yeah. flexible thinking was very yeah. hard for me. That was one thing I needed to work on okay. during my internship. And that was one thing I especially learned that things can change and things will change even if you don't want them to change. Mm. And you have to learn to adapt and be flexible and, you know, solve problems along the way. Yeah. And that, I think one big thing for me was the fact that I equated 
you know, like me having to change my plans into me failing. Mm. If I had to change my strategies, strategies, if I had to change my plans, it meant that I failed. Mm. But that just wasn't the case, you know. Like sometimes things don't work out and that's okay. And I just need to see how I can work around these problems so that I'll be able to achieve whatever it is I want to achieve at the end. And I think another important thing was that goals can change. Mm. Not just the way you do things can change, but the end goals can change. Talked about this just now. Yeah. End goals changing was a very big thing for me. Like I said, I always thought that if things change, that means I failed. That mm. means I'm a failure. That means I'm never going to succeed in life and everything. Mm. That whole regular like Singaporean student mindset. So that was something I needed to be okay with. And I think what really helped me through it was seeking validation from people. So I think because like, a part of my whole anxiety is that I just like think about all the worst case scenarios. I think that, oh, if I do this, so-and-so is going to hate me. Mm-hmm. If I do this, my license officer, he's going to fail me for my internship. Okay. So when I actually went and I talked to him about it, I was like, you know what? I really don't know what I'm doing. And I, I feel that, you know, it, I, I might have to change my angle. And, you know, like, what, what do you think about that? Mm. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. Surprisingly, he's okay. Yeah. He, yeah. he was totally chill with it. So was Raphael. He's yeah, very chill yeah. with it. Yeah. Like, I think they really helped me out a lot. And it helped put my mind at ease knowing yeah. that they were willing to work with me nice. I didn't have to just work for their orders okay. we were kind of like a team, team and uh, we listen together. to you they empathize you yeah. even after you call him a random ball man but I guess the random ball man became a it's okay kind of a he makes fun of himself so. I know I know I'm just okay <laughs> <laughs> he's a chill dude I mean he's yeah. a amazing person um, but but I guess looking back you would not have changed uh, you would not have said a uh, question is like Going back in time, would you have still done it? This whole entire entrepreneurship yeah. project? <laughs> That's actually a hard question. Cause mm. You're going to say yes for the sake of this podcast. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I would go back. <laughs> I would go it. back and do it. <laughs> but, but I mean, come on. If you didn't do it, I, I, okay, the, share I, your story I think I would have done it eventually. But yeah. I think the way that I would have done it would be a bit so different. Yeah. Nothing wrong, but I would say that I would argue that I mean, tell me if you agree with this, right? Is that mm. the lessons you learn, are you grateful for it? Yeah, of course. You know, and I think that's infinite. We talked about this in the first episode. How you know you might take on a different form. Learning might take on success might take on a different form, right? Like what Raphael said is who you become in the process, not just what you get from it. That's yeah. one of the biggest values of entrepreneurship. Resonate with that completely. Uh, let's transition into the final part about storytelling. I want to talk about your current platform. Of course, it evolved. Now you're running it as a page. I'm not necessarily monetizing it yet, mm. but really using it as a platform to serve people. Still very much into the course about mental health. Uh, yeah, share with us about share your story. What is it about? Mm. And uh, okay, just briefly share what it's about first. Okay, so share your story is basically now we are a platform whereby we share people's stories. It's pretty self-explanatory. So. Uh, our kind of main target is now youths because mm. we want to you know, shed light more on the mental health of youths right mm. now. And <clears throat> we just kind of like, our content is really centered around sharing stories and we invite various youths who are willing to share their story and we film with them and we kind of publicize their story because you know, we want to destigmatize mental health mm. and we want to share with others what exactly is the lived experience of these people? Because, sure. for example, you, you just hear about depression. You just think, oh, someone is sad. But that's not the case, you yeah, know. Yeah. <clears throat> like, and someone with depression, they'll sit down and tell you what it's like for them. And I think mm. that's 
the power of storytelling. That's a very important thing that we all need to know is that just because like we we're sharing the story, right? We we can connect on a mm. human level to a shared experience. Yeah, that's the most important thing that I think Share Your Story tries to drive home. We kind of want to build empathy within our audience because even if you don't have a mental illness or if you don't struggle with mental health, we want you to be able to empathize with these people and their struggles. We want you to feel for them and understand what their life is like so that you know maybe one day when you do encounter someone with this mental illness, you know how to better help them. That's, that's a powerful introduction. Why are stories so powerful? Well, like I mentioned earlier, stories, storytelling helps to connect to a shared experience. And it, I think storytelling, just in anything, is very powerful. For example, when it comes to pitching, uh, one of the big things that I learned was that storytelling is one of the most powerful ways to be able to connect with your audience and to be able to get your audience to empathize with you. And <clears throat> that's exactly what we wanted to do with Share Your Story. And... We believe that storytelling can help to open up the conversation around mental health and that's kind of our main goal, you know. We want to be able to share more about mental yeah. health and we want people to learn more about mental health. But I think one of the first things that people need to do is be willing to hear the stories yeah. and be willing to learn and understand from these people's perspectives. Yeah. Um. That's why it kind of originally the... It was called like uh, Share Your Story Inspiring... Uh, inspiring others mm. through the stories. And I, I've had some people DM me with the fact that they are bothered by mm. the use of the word inspiring because mm. they were saying that, oh, why are people's struggles like used to, why are mental health stories only used to serve as an inspiration for sure. others? But I think the word inspiration is kind of more of a general term. You mm. know? Even, like, I'm not out here publicizing kind of mental health success stories, mm. like someone has overcome, you know, they're living a great life. Sure. I'm sharing the stories of real people who go through real things and might now still be struggling with their mental yeah. health. Yeah. But even through their struggles, right, I think people can be inspired from it and learn that, you know, these people are strong. And if they can be strong for themselves, I can also be strong to my, through my sure. struggles. Fair enough. What has been the most rewarding part of telling and listening to people's stories? Mm. I think one of the most rewarding part is not really about the attention that my platform gets, but it's me or my crew interacting with whoever we invite on to share their story. Mm. I think it's so much fun, like having someone sit there, and it's so fascinating. You know, someone someone sitting there being vulnerable with themselves to someone that they've never met before. You know, I probably just met them on that day itself, mm. and they're telling me their life's journey with mental health, which is probably mm. one of the most vulnerable things anyone can do. And I'm just so fascinated, you know, because I feel that normally I just kind of go through life a bit, mm. not like numb, but, you know, I don't really feel yeah, any yeah. range of emotions. Oh, yes. Yeah, and yeah, then once they, they tell, you, tell wow. their story, wow, you just feel so many things all at once. And it's the most interesting feeling and the most inspiring feeling ever. Like you like you said about the whole locking the eyes thing. Yeah. yeah, and you just know that you guys are on the same frequency. Even yeah, yeah. though, like, for example, I've interviewed people with BPD. I've never mm. had BPD. Mm. And when they tell their story, I'm just like, I feel as if I'm there with them through their struggles. And it, it makes me cry a little bit sometimes, you know, like mm. hearing the things they have I to say. I love solidarity, right? I love empathy. There are different kinds of tears, yeah. what I've realised. But when you shed tears with someone else, regardless of what the form takes, it is powerful. Mm. 
Um, and, and I encourage all of you to tell your own stories. Uh. In fact, I think this leads to the last message. Uh, of course, follow a platform, that's one message. My last message for students okay, who want to tell you the story, who want to share their passion, but they're stifling it out of fear. What advice do you have for them? Honestly, like Nike says, just do it. <laughs> like, really, I think another thing that entrepreneurship has taught me to do is to just do it. There's honestly not much that you can lose from just trying to do something. Mm. Of course, obviously, if it's something that has a lot of consequences, you know, you might want to weigh things out, but just try. Just be willing to try. Be willing to fail. And mm. be willing to accept this failure, get up and try again. I think, you know, we always fantasize about the worst possible scenarios, but mm. they, you'll never know for sure if they will actually come true or not if you don't try. Mm. And when you try, you actually realize that even if you do fail, there are so many things that you learn through this failure and they are so invaluable. Love it. Let me end off also with my own appeal to people. Um, as someone that's passionate about mental health and stories, it is in our interest, it's in your interest and in mental health right, to tell your story. Right? There is nothing more stifling than a suppressed story. Nothing more draining than keeping your light hidden. And nothing more painful than taking your story to the grave. Yeah. Regret is a poison. And I think if you're hearing this and this speaks to you, right? Go out there and tell your story. You know, live it out. And I believe that in your own, telling your own story, you inspire others to tell theirs. Yes, in your exactly. own resilience, you inspire others to tap into their resiliency. Exactly. Um, thank you, Marisa, for today's episode. Pleasure talking, to you. <laughs> pleasure talking to you and you look, your, your storytelling is fantastic thank you very much I love listening to you telling your stories about entrepreneurship and how you describe people and situations um, subscribe okay y'all if you like this episode I hope you learn from it share it if you want again spin off is open for applications if you uh, want to come and you know four thousand dollars <laughs> yeah I want to get money funding and just tell your story you know to put out your content out there uh, with that, okay, we have come to the end of today's episode. Uh, see you in the next episode and stay resilient as always. Share Bye. your story. And Bye. share your story. <laughs> Bye.